I'm Dr. Leif Tapanilla from the Idaho Museum of Natural History, and I'm here with Peter Pruitt from Zoo Idaho, and this is The Nature of Idaho. Coming to you from the 1B, Bannock County that is, we're talking all about Idaho, its wild places and wild faces, the natural setting that makes Idaho an incredible place to live and be proud of. Today our guest is Dr. Brandon Peacock. He's curator of paleontology at the Idaho Museum of Natural History, and he's also assistant professor in biological sciences at Idaho State University. He's been here before, Peter. Right. We're talking this time with him about dinosaurs. Yeah, we're moving a little bit further back in time. He joined us to talk to us about the Ice Age. Ice Age critters. Yeah, we're going back a, a little bit A uh, couple warmer. years. Yeah, a, a couple few, years later. A few years earlier. earlier. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. It's uh, the last of our season. Yeah. It's been a good fifth season, and we're ready to jump into season six pretty soon here. Right, and what better way to wrap up a season than dinosaurs? Dinosaurs. Well, we'll get to that, but first... Nature in the news. Yeah. You know, Leif, in 1981, Ringo Starr starred as a took in the movie Caveman. <laughs> now, I don't know if any of our listeners have not seen it. Uh, you, you can find it anywhere. It's an YouTube excellent. It. There's a trailer. I yep. just saw it. I laughed. Excellent movie. <laughs> well, in the movie, a took and his ragtag group of fellow cave people had many adventures and battled a few dinosaurs along the way. Oh, I'm, I'm it, shedding a tear oh, already. Oh, I know. And, yeah. and how accurate the movie is is kind of debatable, oh. you know, what with humans and dinosaurs oh, coexisting. Me. However, you know, we've, we've, got, we've got a question about whether or not placental mammals existed during the Cretaceous period. And, and with this, we're talking early primates, um, legomorphs, rabbits, and such, and some carnivores. Peter, can I be that guy yeah. and just say Cretaceous? Did I say it? You said Cretaceous, and I love it when you say it. Yeah. So say it again. Cretaceous. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, am I supposed to say Cretaceous? You say it however you want. You know, I'm I, just being that guy. Yeah, I can I can pronounce that. I'm a grown-up leaf. I can pronounce <laughs> however I want to pronounce. So anyway, back to nature news. <laughs> um, the earliest... Fossil records of placental mammals are found after the Cretaceous Paleogene mass extinction event. Nice, nice. Okay. 66 million years ago. Awesome. But we have got a group of researchers who've pulled together thousands of mammal fossils, and they use statistical analysis to estimate origination ages based on when lineages first appeared, the pattern of species diversity through time, and extinction ages. And what was shown is that early primates, again, primates, rabbits, and carnivores, placental mammals, evolved just before the KPG event and rapidly rapidly diversified after the loss of competition from the dinosaurs. So it's kind of like with every mass extinction event, they leave gaps within the environment for all these species that survive to really fill all these different niches and rapidly evolve. Right. And so at this KPG boundary, that's, I think most people have heard about the, the meteor that slammed into the planet right. in, the, in Mexico and and uh, death and destruction uh, for, for our dinosaurs, our non-bird dinosaurs anyway. And what waiting in the wings, perhaps, these uh, researchers are, are thinking perhaps primates even right. were maybe hanging out ready to uh, diversify after the, the slate was cleaned, so to speak. Right. And sorry, Atuk, you, you just you wouldn't have found <laughs> dinosaurs um, when you were around. Ringo Starr would be very disappointed to hear this. But he's a beetle, so, you know. His life's been pretty golden. Right, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. 
Um, our trivia question for today is is squarely on dinosaurs. Uh, how many teeth did Idaho's largest dinosaur have? We're looking forward to this conversation. When we come back from the break, Brandon Peacock joins us to talk dinos, so you're going to want to stick around. See you in a sec. Hi, I'm Mary Louise Kelly. Here at NPR, we try to reach all kinds of listeners. My name is Leo, and I'm eight years old. And we take feedback very seriously. I never hear much about nature or dinosaurs or things like that. So when Leo wrote us about our appalling lack of dinosaur coverage on All Things Considered, we knew we had to talk to him. Hi, Leo. Hi. I hear from your parents that you want to be a paleontologist when you grow up, and now we've got one on the line for you. Okay. <laughs> let me let you ask a question. How did dinosaurs grow to be so big? This is hard-hitting journalism, because these are the types of questions that keep paleontologists up at night. In public radio, we value our relationship with each and every one of our listeners. You listen to us, and we listen to you too. So keep our connection strong. Donate to this station right now. Here's how. You know who covers dinosaurs really well? The Nature of Idaho on KISU. Support NPR and KISU programs by visiting KISU.org and click donate. Hey, welcome back from the break. I want to welcome our guest today, Brandon Peacock. He's curator of paleontology at the Idaho Museum of Natural History. And he's also assistant professor in biological sciences at Idaho State University. So first off, thanks for joining us the second time. Yes, to the it's nature my of pleasure. Idaho. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. I'm glad we're going back farther and farther in time. We're going, we're going <laughs> further back. Now, uh, for, for our listeners who don't know who you are, well, just remind us who you are and what you do. Okay, so well, besides being a professor at ISU and a curator at the IMNH, I'm a paleontologist. I'm somebody who works on fossils, digging them up out in the world, wherever they can be found, and then studying them with my students also teaching in the classroom and working at the museum, doing those kind of things. So this is the job that like uh, a, a lot of kids out there, I yes. think, see themselves as being in the yes. future. Yes, you can be an astronaut, race car driver, cowboy, paleontologist, part of, part of that same menu. Well, and you work at a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can be a zookeeper Yeah, you can too. be working at a zookeeper. Yeah. That's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, so it is, it is. It's, 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 I tell people like, I actually don't really remember a time when this wasn't kind of the goal, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so you you uh, stayed focused. Stay, I guess so. But right. in middle school and high school, you know, I was too cool for dinosaurs publicly, of course. Right. But it came back in college. <laughs> yeah, it came back in college. Okay. So we want to talk today about dinosaurs, but let's be really specific about yeah. dinosaurs here in Idaho. Yes, Idaho's dinosaurs. And so I'm sure a lot of folks are aware that, like, when you think of dinosaur in the Western United States. Mm. States that come to mind are Utah, yeah. Montana, Wyoming, maybe Colorado. Yeah. But Idaho isn't the first thing that comes to people's Absolutely minds. Absolutely not. And maybe we're trying to change that story. But why why are why is Idaho sort of slow to the game here? It's slow to the game and it's also sort of a hilarious comparison to me because Montana, Wyoming, Utah are places you can certainly find lots of dinosaurs, but I would even say like globally They've been the standard for whatever, 120, 130 years now of people finding dinosaurs at all in America or really worldwide. All the most famous dinosaurs, T-Rex and Triceratops, Brontosaurus, Stegosaurus. These are all animals from Utah and Montana. Right. So like the world's dinosaurs, you go to Australia and buy a toy, it's going to be T-Rex or Triceratops probably. Yeah. So our immediate neighbors are like loaded with the you know ones, the dinosaurs that humans 
in certainly Western science, like found and got public and got famous really early. The answer, of course, for uh, why Idaho maybe isn't in everyone's front of mind when they think of dinosaurs is that fossils all come from rocks and Idaho doesn't really have very many rocks that are the right kind of rocks to preserve dinosaurs. I think anybody who lives in Idaho knows we have plenty of rocks. Well, let's do the rundown. So what do you need? Say I wanted to go find a dinosaur. Right. In your backyard. What's the checklist of the kind of rocks that I need in order to get a dinosaur? So if you want to go find a dinosaur anywhere in the world, not just Idaho, this is like something I guess a researcher would do all the time. You're interested in a certain kind of fossil organism. you got to go find it. You have to find rocks that are the right age, meaning the rocks were laid down if it's a sedimentary rock, like by a by a stream or a lake or an ocean or something. And so it has to be from the right time that those rocks got deposited. And it has to be from the kind of environment that that animal or plant or whatever it is would even have lived in. So Idaho, for instance, has tons of volcanic rocks. There's volcanic rocks everywhere in our state. They're gorgeous. They're interesting. They're not really good preservers of living things. If you bury something in lava, it tends to ignite and be gone (laughs) instead of being preserved for very long. And so there's rare, rare, rare cases of animals and plants being preserved in volcanic situations. But usually, no. You know, most fossils come from sedimentary rocks. You have to get buried usually by sand or mud or something that's being moved around by water in some way. So they got to be the right age and the right kind of rock that the animal or plant would even have been there. That makes sense? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I kind of think of with rivers, so let's go to Montana, you've got the Missouri. It kind of moves through there. And you think about it being wide and somewhat shallow and you've got all these plains running next to it. And so there's a lot of mud and and dirt and sediments for your sedimentary rock. Yeah, right. Then let's look at our Snake River. What's on the edges of the Snake River? Right. Basalt. For the most part, right? Yeah, right. Kind of got these canyons almost at its They're end. canyons. Yeah. So that's, again, that's not a good spot. And so, I mean, not to cross over to different episodes, but when I was here last time, we were talking about the Ice Age. The really nice Ice Age fossils we have from Idaho from the middle of the Snake River Plain come from a time when lava dammed the Snake River. And then there was a sort of temporary, on the scale of thousands of years, lake on the snake. And that lake had shores that were muddy and silty. And that's when animals died and got buried. And so if you find a mammoth in American Falls, it's kind of from a mo- when a moment when the snake looked a little different than it does now. Still the snake, but like it's burying things. So we have to have the right age. Yeah, so right what's age. the age of dinosaurs? What's the bracket of time that we need? Excellent to question. Some of the research I really do is into dinosaur origins, which unfortunately you cannot even begin to try to talk about for Idaho. We do not have those kind of rocks. Um, but dinosaurs show up just a little over 230 million years ago. The first dinosaurs we know about are all just a little over 230 million and then birds, of course, today are dinosaurs. They're still alive. But what we really talk about when we mean dinosaurs is usually the big ones that aren't birds. And those all go extinct 66 million years ago when that asteroid impact happens. So, yeah, from maybe like 234 to 66 million. That's your age of dinosaurs. Which so a, if you have rocks that are older or younger than that, you're not going to find big dinosaurs. That's a huge bracket of time. It's a humongous amount of time. The age of dinosaurs, most of the Mesozoic era, yes. And And so to come back to why Idaho may or may not you know, be a big player here is Mm. is we don't have sedimentary rocks that can preserve those fossils Mm. in that bracket of time. Yeah. Or we do and they're underexplored or... Underexplored maybe. Um, That's the other thing, I guess. That's another piece of if you want to find a dinosaur fossil, you have to find the kind of rocks that preserve the, the habitat the animal would have lived in. Those rocks have to be the right age from when that dinosaur was alive. And then also 
That's a good point. They have to be exposed right now on the surface. Most times when scientists, paleontologists, find a fossil, they see a bone poking out of the ground, and then they kind of dig in to find the rest. Very rarely are people like digging a mile down in a mine in order to find fossils. People might be digging a mine and then incidentally find fossils. Right. That happens. And so I'm actually not 100% sure if we have Mesozoic age of dinosaur rock in Idaho that's like deep underground. I actually don't know that. Um, but where, where we do have it exposed, it's only a little bit exposed. So what kind of dinosaurs do we have in Idaho? Kind of more than I think people expect. I think it's really been in the last like couple decades really that Idaho's, and I'm going to say it, Cretaceous fossil record has really been explored. And right now there's like at least nine and probably about a dozen or so at least dinosaurs from Idaho that we have. And so some of those have been published on. Some of them have their own genus and species. Erectodromius cubicularis is quite a mouthful. It's this little two-legged burrowing dinosaur that just got declared the state dinosaur this last May by Governor Little, which is kind of exciting for us because we got all of its fossils here at the Idaho Museum of Natural History. But that's like the only one actually that is a named dinosaur. Most of the other ones, just the nature of what the fossils are here in Idaho, they're sort of scrappy. They're bits and pieces. There's some teeth and there's some leg bones and there's some vertebrae and there's some bits and pieces of other things. And a specialist can tell you, oh, this is from an armored dinosaur, you know, with big plates on its back and spikes and things like that. Oh, and this one is from a little carnivore. It's sharp teeth. Or this one's from a duckbill. But because maybe for the duckbill, all I have is a couple teeth and some tail vertebrae, I can't tell you which duckbill dinosaur it is. Or even tell you if it's a new species of duckbill dinosaur, which frankly, it probably is, but it's not quite enough to say exactly. It's a little bit frustrating, but there's at least, yeah, like I said, eight and probably more than 12 dinosaurs from Idaho that we know about. So we have Erictodromius, which is a burrowing, a burrowing dinosaur. Yes. Interesting animal because it's it's got uh, really strong muscles on its like shoulder, like its scapula. You have your shoulder blade and then on its uh, front arms. And so it, it seems like it would have had really powerful muscles for digging, but its toes also have really nice, like, shovely-shaped claws at the end of its toes. And so it's definitely, you know, burrowing a little bit with its arms and then kicking out dirt probably with its legs. And so that might be something that seems incredible to know about an extinct organism, that it, like, makes a burrow. But one of the other things that's true about Erictodromius is that we find it in its burrows. The fossils themselves are kind of found in a tube of mud. And then, of course, one of the reasons I think it probably got designated the state dinosaur is that the legislatures liked that it was a family dinosaur because we often <laughs> find Erictodromius with juveniles. And so you'll find you know, a bunch of vertebrae from an animal that seems to be mature, like an adult size-ish, and then maybe right there next to it is the exact same bones but uh, you know, a quarter the size. And so there's frequently juvenile Erictodromius bones found with larger Erictodromius bones. And so in a burrow we're – making the inference that that's like a family of animals sheltering in a burrow, which is extremely common for hundreds of millions of years on this planet and, of course, happens today all the time. That's pretty cool. And Okay, so we've got Erictodromius. What's yep. another dinosaur type that we have? Well, I think I kind of mentioned it in passing. We have an armored dinosaur that's being worked on at the museum right now. And when I say worked on, I mean that the fossils have been collected from the field and they are in the process of being like opened up and worked on in our prep lab. So honestly... It's mostly still in the rock, uh, but we've got a couple nice big pieces of armor out. So you can imagine this, probably something that doesn't have a big old club on the end of its tail, like an ankylosaurus you might have heard of, but definitely lots of armor on the back and spikes. And so that that's a pretty cool one. I think probably the one that has gotten the most attention recently was just last year, 2022, um, it was published on Idaho has a Tyrannosaur. So when people think of a Tyrannosaur, if I say Tyrannosaur, if 
half the time, if you say dinosaur, that's what people think of. If it's not a Sinclair gas <laughs> dinosaur, it's something like T-Rex. And so the Tyrannosaur we have from Idaho is absolutely not T-Rex. It's a small animal. And so Tyrannosaurs, the group of dinosaurs that T-Rex is a part of, existed for a really long time, many tens of millions of years. And it's really only in the last little bit of their evolution, like 15 or so million years, that they get quite big and become something like T-Rex. For most of their evolutionary history, tyrannosaurs are kind of like coyotes in the landscape of, you know, like Yellowstone has coyotes and then wolves and bears above them. The tyrannosaurs are kind of the midsize, you know, they'd be like humanish in weight, you know, hmm. weigh as much as you and I. And so uh, that's really interesting. So Idaho's got a tyrannosaur, which is so cool. And so it's a, it's a little animal, like I said, we have the femur, one of the leg bones, and then some nice teeth that are very tyrannosaury teeth. But small, not what you'd expect, I think, when you think of tyrannosaurs. So how would you fill in those gaps if you only have a couple teeth and a leg bone? Yeah. Well, that's where the whole uh, the rubber meets the road on like the kid who wants to be a paleontologist versus like the actual job. Right. Because the reality is, is you have to know quite a bit of like things like comparative anatomy to be able to look at a bone. OK, this bone is a femur. OK, whose femur is it? And there's a million little details that um would make a horned dinosaur bone versus an armored dinosaur bone versus a meat-eating dinosaur bone, even if they're all part of the femur, look very different from each other. And so that's how that's how you know those things, right? I mean, there's analytical things we do, of course, as scientists do a phylogenetic analysis and things like that. But uh, yeah, you have to know a lot of comparative anatomy to do this. I think maybe something I haven't said yet that's important is giving a context for Idaho's dinosaurs. So Idaho has one geological formation that produces dinosaur fossils. That's why we're not like Utah or Montana. They have many, many, many formations of different ages. We have one formation, and that is just about 100 million years old. It's a little under 100 million years old. There's rocks above and below those that have like things like fossil plants in them, but a lot of the really good dinosaurs are only coming from one single formation about 100 million years ago. What do we know about the environment, where they're, at least where the fossils are being found and being preserved? Yeah, so uh, the fossils are, it's pretty interesting, right? You 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 can take something like the fact that we only have bits and pieces, scraps, and that can be really frustrating. But it's also in and of itself like a piece of information. So a lot of the places that produce fossils of dinosaurs in Idaho are in this little strip between Soda Springs and Alpine, Wyoming, up in those hills. It's almost all forest service land. And they're coming from mostly things like gravels. And so you think about like a kind of a bunch of gravel all glommed together into a rock and there's a dinosaur tailbone in there or a tooth in there. That in and of itself is telling you this is a high energy environment. This is like a river that's moving pretty quickly to be moving all these pieces around. And so it's not a beautiful, some people don't think of this as beautiful, but like a beautiful corpse at the bottom of a lake that <laughs> preserves an entire animal completely. And maybe right. with its feathers or fur or whatever it would have had. This is like pretty beat up stuff. This is like pieces of animal and plant in a river, chunks of wood, a tooth, one bone, and then that's what we find. And so the environment is mountainous, fast-moving river systems, thankfully preserving a little bit of sedimentation here and there, forested, lots of plants. Something interesting is about 100 million years ago is one of the times in Earth history when Earth is just at its like near hottest. It's really, really, really warm all over the planet. And so it's just a very interesting world, really different from ours. So let's see, what other dinosaurs? I feel like we're missing a couple. Oh, we are, of course. Yeah, yeah. there's plenty more. So we have uh, some little bits and pieces of a lot of meat-eating dinosaurs where we, I wish we had more. Raptors with a big claw on the foot. Oh, I wish we had more. We have their little teeth. 
big predators. So something that might look like, at a glance, T-Rex, but a completely different kind of big, scary mouthful of teeth. We've got pieces of those, little, like I said, bones and a lot of spare teeth. <laughs> the duckbill dinosaurs, we've got a couple pieces of them, a couple teeny pieces that belong to a small horned dinosaur. Uh, just like Tyrannosaurus rex is like the end of the Tyrannosaur family and is a huge animal, something like Triceratops is actually really similar. If you know Triceratops with the three horns that's always fighting T-Rex, horned dinosaurs also have a tens of millions of year fossil record. But for the most part, they're like bipedal small animals <laughs> with beaks and not really a lot of head stuff going on until the last, again, 20-ish million years of their evolution when they go onto all fours and get huge frills and huge horns. And so we have one of these early horn dinosaurs. But I think probably the coolest dinosaur in my book that we have from Idaho is this gigantic oviraptor-style dinosaur. This is like a feathered monster. Really big, really <laughs> awesome. What do you mean really big? I mean really big for what it is. Like, So it's something that's really remarkable to me. Like you can think about, you know, okay, maybe when I was a kid I wanted to be a paleontologist. In those years since – we found so many new kinds of animal and our understanding of things like dinosaurs as well as all other kinds of fossil things has evolved and, and grown. And, and uh, one very cool example of that is, of course, all the dinosaurs that had feathers. And so there's tons of dinosaurs that have feathers. But then even within that, new whole groups of dinosaurs that we didn't really recognize before. You can look at books from the 90s and you'll see drawings that are crazy because no one knows what they're looking at. And now we found so many kinds of that new kind of dinosaur that we know what they looked like. So one of them are these giant oviraptors. And so if you're a dino kid out there, you might know an oviraptor. It's the one that's always stealing an egg and or maybe sitting on a nest. And so most of those animals are kind of like, you know, between like turkey and like emu-sized animals. Um, they have beaks. They've got fun crests on their heads. We know now they're all feathered. They're really cool. But it was only in the like mid-2000s in China – from rocks that are about as old as the ones we have here in Idaho, people found this one that they called Gigantoraptor. And this is an animal that basically looks like a big chicken. It's got a stumpy tail. But, you know, its hips are 12 feet up off the ground, like almost T-Rex height in terms of its hips off the ground. But then there's no big old head full of teeth. There's like a head on a long neck. And so I don't know what this thing's eating. Nobody really does. It's probably an <laughs> omnivore. But the thing that's really intense to imagine is like this thing was a feathered animal. You know, this is a non-flying animal for sure. It weighs tons. And you're looking like way up at it. If it's if you imagine like a chicken or a turkey and you're like able to walk underneath, you know, between its two legs, that's what we're talking about here. We have this giant gigantoraptor here in Idaho. Do we have bones? We have just, again, bits and pieces of bone, like bone that is hollow and very large, which are consistent with the idea that these are bones that belong to this giant oviraptor thing. So we could call it gigantoraptor. What we do have from Idaho, and it's actually the most abundant fossil you find if you go out to these rocks that produce the dinosaurs, is eggshell. Eggshell. And how do you recognize eggshell on the Eggshell. Well, if anybody breaks an egg in their kitchen, you know, once you peel off that little bit of gross stuff on the inside, you know, eggshell has a little bit of texture. It's smooth over here. It's bumpy over here. And so if you find, uh, if you go out to these rocks, you see all over the ground, you'll pick it up in an instant, uh, pieces of what are broken eggs. And so when I first came to Idaho, one of the only fossils from a dinosaur that I knew about from Idaho was this set, a pair of gigantic eggs. They're about 15 inches long. So they're they're broken, but they're still 
all in the, about the right shape. And it's a set of eggs that were laid together. And so Idaho has these two 15-inch long eggs and then just like heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps of just scraps of eggs. And so it only has been in the last decade or so, and again, this is mostly because people in China are finding fossils that are maybe better preserved, um, that we come to understand that not only do we know whose eggs these are, giant oviraptor dinosaurs, but that in China, they've got whole skeletons of animals just like this. And that's what that gigantoraptor animal is. And so our eggshells have been studied by the researchers you know, who are interested in these things. People have come to Pocatello to see, from all over the world, to see these eggs. And so our eggs, for a long time, were like some of the best giant oviraptor eggs. And so it's pretty bizarre to imagine we've got these eggs and no mama or data to show <laughs> yeah, I people. keep thinking about what you guys are doing is you're basically putting together a puzzle. Yeah, that's But right. it's a global puzzle. It's not like, oh, yeah. I, I have all the pieces over here in the box and one accidentally fell off onto the coffee table and, oh, there it is. I mean, you're, you're talking about Idaho and China. Yeah. And you've got to be able to you know realize that there's information in both areas and it's and, across the globe. Yeah, it's across the globe. And what's interesting is that at this time and for a lot of the Cretaceous, um, there's an ocean that goes across what's now the Great Plains all the way from Texas up to Hudson Bay. And so Western North America is its own little subcontinent called, it's got a name, it's called Laramidia. And Laramidia very frequently is connected by land to Asia. And so it might be weird to think about it, but you would be you would do well to take your Montana, your Utah, your Idaho dinosaurs from this time period and compare them to Mongolia and China and to a lesser extent like Korea and Japan. That might be really shocking to people, but if you understand the geography back then, it makes complete sense. It's really sort of bizarre. That's pretty wild. Yeah. 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 Okay, so over at our museum, we have an exhibit. You want to talk a little bit about the exhibit and how people can maybe see some of these. Oh, of course. Fossils. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, if you want to come see these fossils, come down to the Idaho Museum of Natural History, of course, in Pocatello um, on the ISU campus. We have Idaho's fossil collection. So we are the State Museum for Idaho. So we've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of fossils in the building and we're wanting to show them to you. And so one of the things that's cool about our new exhibit, which we've called Dinosaurs from the Mountain, Idaho's mountainous now, it was mountainous then, so we feel it's quite appropriate, is to kind of set these different times in Idaho's fossil history into context. So, Peter, like you were saying, like you need kind of the world to set your expectations for different time periods in Earth history. And so this exhibit is trying to do that and then show you, like we have a big old timeline in the exhibit, the places when Idaho's fossil record is the best. And so Leaf can tell you all day about the buzzsaw shark. That's one of these like Idaho highlights. And that comes from a certain place and a certain time. Idaho's the place. And then there's a time in the early part of the Permian that that shark lives. Other places have to look to Idaho if they want to know about the buzzsaw shark. That's also true for like the Hagerman horse you might know about. And so we talk about the Hagerman horse. We talk about Idaho's ice age too. But the big, big, big draw of the exhibit is showing you where exactly Idaho's dinosaurs come from in time. About 100 million years ago, which is crazy because it's like 30-some million years before T-Rex, 40-some million years after Stegosaurus. At this time, when I think a lot of people don't know what's going on besides there's dinosaurs around. So our big megaraptor that we were just talking yeah, yeah, about, yeah. this is a pre-T-Rex dinosaur? Absolutely. Yeah. By a long time. By a long time. And there's a tyrannosaur that lives with it that, you know, it could have stepped itty on. itty-bitty. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And the other thing that's really, I think, important about the exhibit you said putting a piece of, you know, putting a puzzle back together is it's a whole ecosystem that's preserved in Idaho. 
We've got fossil plants, you'll see. Lots of fossil mammals, talking about placental mammals. You know, uh, we got uh, different kinds of mammals that we find in these rocks. Fishes, turtles, some very cool, very weird, one of them's pretty scary, like crocodiles. People don't think of Idaho as a place with big, big, and I mean this, big crocodiles, <laughs> but we have a huge, a huge monster crocodile from Idaho, which is super cool. And yeah, if you're the gigantoraptor or if you're the little T-Rex thing and you come to take a drink, yeah, you might get got by this big croc that is from Idaho, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so we're trying to show you everything in the habitat, right? All the, All that kind of stuff. That's great. Like you were saying earlier, a lot of the research on dinosaurs in Idaho is really the last couple decades, and really we're in the golden age of Idaho dinosaur discoveries. Oh, oh, absolutely. Paleontology right now, I think in general, is just very hot. There's tons of people, and um, you know, we'd be remiss not to mention one of your other former guests, L.J. Krumenacher. Certainly, within the context of Idaho dinosaurs, he's a he's making it happen. He's going out there and finding stuff. And yeah, right now, like, yeah, 2023, we just got a state dinosaur. 2022, first Tyrannosaur from Idaho. It's hot right now. Right on. <laughs> so I started off with a trivia question about the biggest Idaho dinosaur that we know of, which mm. I guess is Gigantoraptor. We have its eggs. Yes, we do. How many teeth did it have? The biggest dinosaur in Idaho that we know of has zero teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more scary (laughs) because it's a gigantic beak on its face. And I think a giant beak is a pretty intimidating thing. But I understand people might be disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, it's going to crush you or peck you to death. Peck you to death, right? Wouldn't you rather the merciful blades take you rather than getting crushed and pecked? (laughs) You know, I'm thinking of this giant mega chicken dinosaur and you you teach it to play uh, tic tac toe. So. Yeah. All right. Honestly, we again, it's always a pleasure, Brandon, when you show up and, and talk oh, thank to us. You. It's been a great discussion, and please swing by the the museum to see the Gigantoraptor, and you know to learn more about dinosaurs in Idaho and from the mountain exhibit. Please visit imnh.isu.edu. The Nature of Idaho receives support from listener contributions to KISU-FM. Shows are produced at Idaho State University with editing and production by Khalees Kendall and Jamin Anderson. Music is by Idaho's very own Sons of Bannock. Audio of this and all past episodes of The Nature of Idaho can be found at KISU.org from Spotify and other select podcast services. Send your thoughts and suggestions to noidkisu at isu.edu.